How do extroverts or introverts get dopamine? Well, usually it's from interaction. It's that social interaction. It's feedback. It can be having a nice little uh, debates. It just um, secretes more dopamine that the body needs. And um, so we all have that. But for introverts, a little bit of dopamine goes a long way. And as we can probably all attest to, if I have too much of that, it just overwhelms me. I get exhausted. Whereas extroverts just need that dopamine. They can't get enough. So they hop from party to party or from cubicle to cubicle talking to people at work. This is Meredith For Real, The Curious Introvert, and I'm Meredith. I explore the questions people think but don't ask out loud, either because they're taboo or thanks to cultural hypnosis. My mission, and yours if you choose to accept it, is to inspire curiosity by exploring the nuance and paradox of our world. Each episode is different, so bring your ADD and your earbuds and have a look around. Hey, Curiositors, it's me, Meredith. If you've ever been tempted to think, hmm, I wonder how I can get over my introversion, this episode is for you. My guest is a man who spent 30 years in corporate America as basically an undercover introvert. About 15 minutes in, he describes the crisis that caused him to respect his nature instead of fighting it or face some pretty serious consequences. And I was totally surprised to learn that intro or extroversion is linked to the chemical disposition in your brain. And that half of any given workplace is actually made up of introverts. Whether you're an introvert playing catch up on your energy reserves or an extrovert trying to understand the introverts in your life, I think this conversation will be a helpful one. And if you do end up liking this episode, you'll also like the solo one I did about how to network as an introvert and hate it less. It's episode 104. As always, I am so thankful for you pressing play today. It's not easy growing a show that literally defies the algorithm, but all of you make it possible. Remember, if you think of someone while listening, be sure to share this episode with that person. And if you're new here, welcome. Around here, we press play to get curious, to disrupt the algorithm, and to grow into better humans. We talk about everything from robots to refugees, so bring your ADD and your earbuds and have a look around. There's no specific order to listen to episodes. All right, enjoy the show. After hours networking, leadership conference, team assignments, you know you're an introvert if those just struck fear and exhaustion into the deepest parts of your soul. My next guest is an introvert who spent 30 years climbing the corporate ladder. He played the part of an extrovert so well that it wasn't until his retirement party that his coworkers found out that he was, in fact, an introvert. It was a process to go from seeing his introversion as from a curse to a blessing. And part of that journey was writing the book, The Corporate Introvert, How to Lead and Thrive with Confidence. Today, he's going to share insight into what makes an introvert an introvert, the critical strengths that we bring to an organization, and how we can go from resenting our nature to leveraging our superpowers corporate America survivor, introverted thriver, Steve Friedman. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you so much. Glad to be here, Meredith. Well, I think most of my listeners have a pretty good grasp on what it means to be an introvert. But in case we have some newbies, 
And they might still think that being an introvert means you're socially awkward or something. Can you kick us off by explaining what you call in your book, the energy equation? Sure. And I think it's a great place to start because it is so misunderstood, not just by extroverts around the world, but by introverts as well, that kind of get sucked up into the stereotypes and myths that actually still exist in today's dictionaries and thesauruses. So they have nasty words like uh, narcissist, icicle, wallflower, and loner. And, um, you know, it really can be far from the truth. And it's hard to find a positive word in those definitions. But introverts have as many strengths as anybody else does. And it's just reconnecting with them. The best definition that I've found for introversion is really has to do with um, how we gain and spend energy. So um, introverts will tend to gain energy by uh, doing things that are a little bit quieter, um, calmer, and just provide more comfort. So that can be reading or writing or journaling or doing art or other hobbies or spending time with um, a small group of close friends that we can really feel and be ourselves. Uh, At the other extreme of the um, equation is how we spend our energy, and not surprisingly for many introverts, we exhaust ourselves sometimes with um, too much socializing, especially in larger groups and with strangers. Uh, Doesn't mean we can't or don't want to do that. It's just that our limit is certainly much shorter in those kind of experiences. And so it's really that balance. And what I've found was really important for introverts is that we we be aware of our energy equation. Where is our battery at any point in time during the day? And as it drains down from uh, uh, conflicts or meetings or just uh, water cooler socializing, <laughs> um, rather than wait until six o'clock at night when we get home and we crash on the couch to find ways during the day that we can uh, invigorate ourselves with a little bit of private time, quiet time, a walk around the building, whatever it might be in order to boost our energy and be ready for the challenges of the rest of the day. I think you touched on something major and that's the like foundational skill of awareness, being aware of where your battery is. We check our phones like every four seconds, but we don't check our internal battery to see where we're at. And, you know, I'd like to think that I'm you know, different, but honestly, I didn't realize how much of a deficit that I was operating out of until I had COVID in August. And Mm. those two weeks at home were delicious. I mean, (laughs) I got up one day, I don't know, it was probably, it was almost to the end of that two weeks. And I just had so much energy, not just like, oh, I'm getting better and I'm not sick anymore energy, but like in my soul. (laughs) I got up and I was, I was like, you know what? Maybe I will make that seashell jewelry. I'm going to (laughs) organize. I'm so, and I just felt good. And I told my husband, oh my gosh, I have so much energy. And then I had this kind of sickening thought like, oh, oh, it's because I'm not taking care of my own needs, my energy needs. So I know, you know, we're going to talk tips a little bit later, but since we've already, you've already kind of mentioned it, what you said, taking breaks during the middle of the day, how are people supposed to do that when they work like in a corporate setting? Cause that's where your experience was. Right. And, and I spent three decades in a corporate setting and Probably two of those I spent uh, trapped in an extroverted culture and feeling like I needed to wear that mask all day. So my tips really come from some pretty tough times 
and finally recognizing that in order for me to um, personally survive, that I needed to and, and be somewhat healthy, that I needed to do things my own authentic way. Easier said than done, but I knew that by um, approaching it any other way, I was just going to crumble under the pressure inside my head. Others around me might have felt like I was doing a great job, but it was just insurmountable for me. And so I really had to step back and think about this um, energy equation to start with and think about, you know, somehow during the day, I, I need a break. I mean, people take smoke breaks or whatever other breaks they need during the day. And for me, I just needed a break. And it doesn't mean that I need to take 30 minutes or an hour, but it may be taking a walk around campus um, or down the hall or something. It may be uh, closing the door, listening to a little bit of music, jotting down things in a journal that are on my mind. You know, it could be, I mean, one thing that I did that, um, I felt really awkward about it originally, but then I really embraced it and loved it was every once in a while, I would take a lunch by myself. I'd go out somewhere, maybe to the cafeteria or maybe um, to another restaurant, and I'd just sit and relax. And that just did a world of good to just help me to re-energize. And but the important thing is not not to feel guilty about those sort of things. We we need what we need. And I knew after doing it for a while, I would be a better employee, worker, uh, team leader if I took a little bit of time throughout the day for myself. That's what I did. It was the lunches alone. And yeah. it it is oh, it's hard to explain to other people because I I don't know what it is as a guy, because you may not have noticed, but I'm not a guy. And, uh, but as a woman, you are labeled snotty. If you take lunch alone, oh my gosh, that bitch, she's so snotty, you know? But I, and I had to do it in a quiet space because the noise was also draining. Like a mall is draining on so many levels because of the noise and all the other things. So I would just escape and be in the car and, you know, eat my lunch. And I, I would sometimes drive away to another place. So no one would like knock on the window and talk to me <laughs> because <Right. laughs> I couldn't be held responsible for my growly response. Cause then I really would have been a bitch, but <laughs> you talk in your book a lot about brain chemicals too, which surprised me. Can you explain the difference between uh, introvert and extroverts needs and uses of dopamine and, uh, acetylcholine? Sure. So this, um, came through some research. I had no idea about these sort of things. and But I always used to kind of chuckle when people said, you know, I want to get over my introversion. I want to overcome that. Or I used to be an introvert, but now I can socialize. Right. And as I discovered um, things about brain chemicals, it helped me to realize we don't overcome our introversion. We we can learn about how to use it and master it and do well with it, but we're not going to overcome it. It's really in our DNA and it's in our brain chemicals. So every brain has um, uh, chemicals, dopamine and acetylcholine, um, and we have receptors in our brain. And so for extroverts, their receptors need dopamine. They crave dopamine. Like like many other drugs, they really um, can't get enough dopamine. So how do um, uh, extroverts or introverts get dopamine? Well, usually it's from interaction. It's that social interaction. It's feedback. It can be having uh, nice little uh, debates. It just um, secretes more dopamine that the body needs. And um, 
So we all have that, but for introverts, a little bit of dopamine goes a long way. And as we can probably all attest to, if I have too much of that, it just overwhelms me. I get exhausted. Whereas extroverts just need that dopamine. They can't get enough. So they hop from party to party or from cubicle to cubicle talking to people at work. Um, but introverts are not um, uh, absent from having a chemical uh, craving in our brains. Very similarly, we crave acetylcholine. So acetylcholine, not surprisingly, um, is secreted in the brain from things that are more come from calmness and comfort. So for us, that can be things that we've already talked about reading or just have in, being introspective or having a little bit of time alone, doing things that we really enjoy with people that we know and enjoy. And that provides us with the acetylcholine or good things. So our body, both as an introvert and as an, and as an extrovert, we do things that help to satisfy that craving. And um, so those chemicals are, it's happening all the time. We can't really adjust those or change those, but we can learn how to um, find our strengths and um, excel as an introvert, just as extroverts tend to do uh, for themselves as well. So does that mean that an extrovert hangover is a real thing? Do you know what I'm talking about when I say extrovert hangover? Yeah, yeah I think that... Um, I mean, even extroverts sometimes will will just need to relax, just as introverts like to socialize. But I think for introverts in, in particular, too much socializing, and we feel like maybe I drank too much, but it, but I just got too much dopamine, really. I um, and so I think understanding again, we talked about awareness earlier with the energy equation, but understanding kind of where we are and when we've had a little bit too much. Um, that rather than stay in a situation where we just get more and more dopamine overriding our bodies and we just become not only exhausted, but maybe a bit agitated yeah. to just remove ourselves, recoup, uh, get a little bit of that acetylcholine and then maybe jump right back in there. Well, even on recording days um, where I record the podcast, I record four or five at a time in one batch and uh, I go home and uh, I mean, I, I crash. So it's mm -hmm. it's just a, a hard hit, but it is affirming to hear that it's brain chemicals because even though I'm, you know, very invested in this whole introvert thing, I still sometimes doubt myself as like, well, am I just not being tough enough? Or, you know, can I just pony up a little bit? How did you go from denial and soldiering through to really, you know, recognizing the value of your nature? What was that transition like for you? Um, it took a long, long time. So, um, Nowadays, I talk to some students at, at colleges, and many of them already get it. They understand it. They've learned about their introversion. And at the same time, I had um, somebody who read my blog, and she was 80 years old. And she said, no, I never knew about this stuff, and I never got it. For me, I was in my 40s when I started to – I had heard introversion. I connected with that term, but I didn't really understand what it was. And it took um, some – kind of jolting when I was in my early 40s to really start to become more aware and learn about what it was. So we've talked a lot about awareness. And I think a, a lot of it um, starts with that and then learning more about what introversion is, not accepting the stereotypes that are floating around us. But for me, I, um, I started to learn and read a lot and just think about what was introversion in my life 
and um, and then to learn about the strengths. So, so much of what we hear and from other people, even close family and friends, tends to be negative about introversion. And But actually, as you mentioned at the outset, it really, is, for me, it became a blessing that I never knew I had. Um, but it took a long road of understanding what are my strengths and how can I apply those in difficult situations and at work or socially or at home in order to feel more comfortable in my own skin. So you said jolting um, though, what jolted you? Because I mean, so many people are, you know, trying so hard to conform to their corporate culture and to um, advance. And that mm -hmm. requires that lots of energy go towards that. And so they don't have currently the energy reserves to read and learn about stuff. They just, um, so they might relate more to a crisis. <laughs> um, was it a crisis that when you say jolting, is that what you mean personally? Yes. I, I mean, I went through some really difficult times. And for me, um, my way of coping with the stress that I was dealing with at work and to try and act during the day um, was immense. And I dealt with that a lot through eating too much and drinking way too much. Um, and it helped to, for me to escape. But I realized that was not really the best way to do it. And my health just kept spiraling downward. And I got into some situations where um, not only was my health at risk, but um, I was putting myself at risk and doing some dangerous things and uh, um, over drinking in foreign countries and blacking out. Oh, and, no. And I mean, I could have easily, in retrospect, I if I hadn't changed, I do believe I would either be in jail or I'd, or I'd be dead. And um, so I was um, on a trip in Singapore. Um, and I really had one of those kind of bad situations. And the next day I sat down and I was like, you know, this can't work. I mean, I, I can be better than this and I have to do something different. So I either need to change jobs. I need to change myself. I need to do something. And um, what I did when I got back home was I um, invested in a therapist and we sat down and she, you know, really, I think therapists are fantastic, right? So they can remove you from the emotions that are all bottled up in our head. So all I can think about are all these horrible things. And she asked really um, candid questions that made me think about, you know, well, do I have to be put in these situations that are always stressing me out? Uh, do I really think that I'm not worthy? Do I really have no uh, positive traits and strengths? And so we really thought through that. And I realized there, there are better ways to do that. And so at the end, I um, went through a long road of learning about myself. And, um, and that really helped for me to get out of the rut I was in. And I decided... Um, as I changed jobs uh, shortly thereafter inside of, of my company, I uh, decided I, I was going to have to um, lead my own way um, instead of trying to do it the way others appeared to do it. And that seemed to be successful for them as they climbed the corporate ladder. I was going to have to use my own strengths that I was discovering. And if it didn't work, so be it. But I could not survive personally without making that change. And so I did that, you know, in my mid forties and, um, and for the last 10 years that I was, um, in the company, I just felt so much more 
relaxed and at home and comfortable and the teams did much better. And um, so, but it took a, a, a jolt to my core to really get me to, um, to change. Hey, Curiositors, just a quick pause to show gratitude to our sponsors and give you some special deals. If you ever wonder where I find guests for the show, the answer is it varies a lot. And since it's something that gets asked a lot, I started including the backstory of each episode in my Monday emails. And then on Saturday, I share cliff notes and clickable links in case what you heard was so good you wish you could have taken notes. If you want to be included, text R-E-A-L to 66866 if you're in the U.S. or go to MeredithForReal.com if you're elsewhere. If insects are retreating into your home as the weather gets colder, but you feel sketched out by pesticides, I recommend Insect. I've used their service for years and over and over, I'm impressed at their thoughtful approach to pest control. They even set out mosquito traps in my yard once to see what species was giving me so much trouble. That's where their certified mosquito identification specialist comes in handy. If you live in the Florida Panhandle or the Gulf Coast of Alabama, give them a call, ensec.net. If you watch the show on YouTube, then you see the beautiful backdrop of Trader John's, the exhibit where I record the show inside the Pensacola Museum of History. This is just one museum under the umbrella of the UWF Historic Trust. If you're planning a trip to Pensacola and need an indoor activity option, pick up a ticket. It's good for a whole week. Get your tickets in person so you can show the agent one of my emails and get $2 off an adult ticket. Now back to the show. Remember to stay till the end where I give you a sneak peek of next week's episode. Is that process you're describing related to what you talk about in your book as the phases of introversion? It can be. I mean, I think we all go through those phases, how long each phase lasts and how, um, difficult and uh, tumultuous they may be varies for each person. Um, but, you know, in general, I'll just, I'll briefly go through it. We can stop anywhere you'd like, but okay. the first phase um, is what I call unaware. So we all start out at that phase when we're kids, you know, little toddlers, maybe young teens. Um, we've probably never heard the term introversion, but we just feel different. I grew up with three older sisters that were all to some degree extroverts. And so I just felt different because that was the environment I was in. And my mother, who was fantastic, but she looked at me and thought, you know, I'm kind of different because I wasn't the one running around with friends all the time and wanting to be outside all the time. And I felt different because of all those sort of things. And I wasn't sure what that was, but it just felt awkward. Um, later I moved into what I would call an uninformed stage. So I started to hear the word in my late teens of introversion, took a Myers-Briggs uh, personality test that many people have probably taken. And it's confirmed I was an introvert and it gave me a few words, mostly those negative words that we talked about earlier. Um, so I connected with that term, but I was not really informed very much about what it really meant to be an introvert. And so I fixed these negative stereotypes. So it really dragged me down even further. Finally, um, I think we all eventually get to that third stage of enlightenment. But for some people, it can be in their teens. 
For other people, it can be um, in their 80s, like the um, lady that I mentioned earlier. And for me, it was in my mid-40s where I started to really sit down and I I talked to, in this case, my therapist for me, but it could be a a friend. It could be somebody that just really understands introversion a bit more than the average person. It could be a book they read. could be a podcast they listen to. And so they start to learn about it. And so I call this the kind of period of enlightenment because suddenly the lights go off and we feel like, oh, there's positive things associated with this. And that stage usually um, goes by pretty quickly because it's exciting that we're learning these these strengths that we have that we never really understood. Um, that allows us to go into a fourth stage of contentment. So eventually we we learn about these strengths. We start to apply them at work. It helps us to network, to manage meetings, to go to social events. And we feel pretty good about ourselves. Maybe for the first time in our lives, kind of feel like, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty good person and I can do these things my way and be successful. And um, so that's a great place to be. Uh, the fifth phase, not everybody goes to that fifth phase, but I call it flourishing. And so it's really feeling so content that suddenly some of our dreams and aspirations that we might have had when we were younger, but kind of threw away because we felt like oh, it, those would be overwhelming. I can't lead or I can't speak in public or I can't do these things that th- those are not introvert type of things, so to speak. But now that I've kind of got a grasp on who I am and I've practiced them and learned about them. I can do those things. So suddenly I dust off these things and I go out there and kind of get out of my own way and be the best person I can and advocate for myself, for other introverts or whatever my cause or purpose is. Um, so I think, again, some people move through that very quickly. Some people have very supportive parents um, that that encourage us to embrace and understand our introversion when we're uh, young teenagers. And and those people may, may fly through this process and others need a bit of a personal jolting later <laughs> in life to do a corrective action. And some people never get there, unfortunately. Well, when you describe the word, uh, the phase enlightened, mm-hmm. I was reflecting on some of my own, uh, phases. <laughs> and for me in the enlightenment stage was awareness, but comparison. I don't know. Does that register for you? Yeah, definitely does. I mean, and I think all of us introvert or extrovert oftentimes get sucked into the, I'm comparing myself with other people. People around me seem to be more successful. They yeah. seem to be, maybe, maybe they physically look better. They drive a nicer car. They're, they um, are, are, bolder in meetings and sharing their voice. And um, so when we compare ourselves with others, I mean, how that's really difficult because we'll, in that mindset, we'll never be as good as we, we really can and should be. And so reframing that to think about, actually, my goals should come from me. Yes, we all have work goals, but how I do those and, um, and the success is, I should define that. And if I can define that, not as did I do as well as Bill or Sue next to me, but did I accomplish what I wanted to accomplish? Did I stretch and grow? Did I contribute by using my own strengths? And suddenly, you know, we can feel pretty good about ourselves and successful and worry a whole lot less about our comparison with other people. And the, the, what you're describing is not a consolation prize, you know, like, well, I achieve what I want to achieve. I think it's tempting for people who are introverted and overthinkers, (laughs) raising my own hand here, (laughs) um, that, okay, well, that's a consolation prize. That's something that, you know, a parent tells their child when they want to feel better about themselves. But 
and obviously I'm just speaking from my own experience because when I was in that comparison mode of I'm an introvert, they're an extrovert, I had resentment both towards myself for, you know, the body and brain that I am inhabiting and towards the extroverts because I felt like they had all of the advantages. They could spend eight plus hours selling a product and then go to a networking event, attend a conference and not be trashed the next week. Whereas that, you know, sequence of events for me would have made me feel trashed. But I started to recognize some of those strengths. And you talk a lot about the strengths and advantages of introversion in your book and in other interviews. Can you touch on some of the strengths that make introverts unique? Sure. So, um, I mean, for many years, I either didn't think I had strengths or those things that if I reflected, I was really good at, I hid because I thought those were kind of awkward. And those were seemed to be unique or different strengths than most of the other extroverts around me were exhibiting. So I didn't really consider them as true strengths. Um, on my website, we have a strengths quiz and 2000 people have taken the quiz, which is really um, interesting, but I think people want to understand those positives that we have and, and may even dispute whether they have any positives. So they take the quiz and the quiz um, uh, pretty quickly, uh, answers some questions and it assesses which of the which of eight primary strengths are your greatest strengths so um even though we may all feel that we fall into this introverted bucket or extroverted bucket we're all different and that's really what came out from the uh quizzes is that there's everybody's different and some people have um uh, different strengths than other people. Um, but there were some strengths that seemed to be, seemed to rise to the top as very common amongst introverts. Um, for me, uh, planning and preparation is my biggest strength. And, and that's actually the most significant strength that the, uh, survey revealed. And so I think a lot of introverts will relate to that, that we tend to be, well, by nature and definition, we're, we're also very introspective. So we think a lot, we prepare a lot for, for situations that are coming up. So we're planning. Um, I think we become very good at that. And I also think we actually really need that. I mean, if I used to go into meetings without much preparation and I was just overwhelmed by all the other people that seemed like they could think off the top of their head and come up with these bold statements. And I was just trying to catch up. And um, but what I realized was I need that planning. So if I can get an agenda and pre-read, if it's a complex uh, meeting that I'm going to, and I can read through that and prepare in advance some questions, some points that I have, some issues I might have with the topic, then I would come into that meeting much more prepared and comfortable to to um, contribute my unique perspective. And so I think a lot of uh, introverts not only are really good at preparation, but they also, we need that even for social experiences. Uh, other common uh, traits that tend to be uh, strengths of introverts, thoughtfulness, um, that might sound a little bit um, strange to some introverts, but um, rather than working a room of 50 or 100 people at a um, 
at a social or cocktail hour for work or whatever it may be, that we do much better when we have a small group setting. And in that small group setting, we feel more comfortable. We ask questions. We share more intimate things than anybody would ever do in a big cocktail party. And we really get to know other people. And I think that thoughtfulness and curiosity um, comes out and makes our relationships, maybe fewer relationships, but but deeper and more meaningful relationships. Um, yes. I found um, that one of my strengths that I realized when I was in a networking group full of extroverts was um, to be able to sense when someone was uncomfortable. Um, There's probably a better way to word that, but uh, the specific situation was the extroverted um, person, one of the people in the group, wanted to throw a baby shower for one of the men uh, in the group who was an introvert and shy. So I make that distinction. He wasn't an introvert because he was shy. He was an introvert and he was shy. And right. I could see and feel from across the room that he did not want her to plan this baby shower. And so he kind of him hawed about a date and, you know, yeah, yeah. And then, and then the group had finished its, its meeting. And then I pulled the lady aside and I was like, did you see how he, um, I don't think he wants you to do the shower. And she was like, why? And I said, I mean, you, you didn't see that. Like, I kind of thought she must know this. This is so obvious. And so it wasn't. And that's when I realized that one of the introverted superpowers is noticing things that others might miss. So when you talk about in your book, how introverts complement a workplace really well, and they're in fact needed, that was one of the things that kind of, I was brought back to in my memory. Yeah, I think those are great points. I, I do think that introverts tend to be more empathetic and compassionate, um, in part because maybe we um, appreciate that from other people that will stop a little bit and pause and think about, well, what what might we as introverts be thinking about? Because for an extrovert, they might love the idea of a shower or a party or or social thing. And so they are ready to go plan because they, they love the idea. Why wouldn't anybody else love that? And they themselves would love to join that. Um, so I think that taking that time out and, and recognizing that there are many different perspectives around the table. And I think that, um, you know, at, at most workplaces, there's a lot of talk about diversity and inclusion and rightfully so. And, um, I would say most companies have come a long way in that regard over the many decades, but there's many layers of diversity and inclusion. And I think that um, personality or ways of thinking is another layer of diversity and inclusion. And so if we look at meeting rooms, boardrooms, or just team meetings, um, generally half the people are probably introverts. I call it the hidden half. So you <laughs> might not know it. They're not raising their hand and saying, hey, I'm an introvert. And they might even be pretending that they're an extrovert. But in reality, about half the people are introverts. But, you know, if you end up with any of those kind of environments and roughly half the people are not really sharing their true thoughts, perspectives, compassion, whatever it may be, skills, then the team is not getting the most out of everybody. And they tend to get more groupthink, right? So it's the extroverts that are all out there throwing out ideas and pretty quickly um, uh, agreeing on how we should approach it. And they're ready to move on. And meanwhile, at least in our head, introverts are oftentimes thinking, 
I think that's a bad idea. Or at least I think we should challenge that and pause. Let's not move that quickly onto something so important, but let's let's challenge it and think about different different perspectives and make sure that this is, truly is the right way to approach it. And it might be, but generally things that um, decisions that are made with um, consideration of the pros and cons and the downsides and and issues are going to be much stronger and better implemented. And so I think that it's incumbent upon both the introvert and the extrovert to make that happen. The introvert, you know, we, we, um, uh, oftentimes may sit in meetings and feel like we're not really an integral part of that meeting, but we're, we're oftentimes listening and observing, which is quite a skill, a learning skill that the meeting usually needs because otherwise people are just throwing things off the top of their head and, and not really putting the pieces together. So that is a great role for introverts to play. But at some point, we need to kind of put those pieces together and share them. So we don't need to be the loudest voice in the room, and we don't need to have as much airtime as everybody else. But usually when we when we piece things together, we have these unique perspectives that open people's eyes. And they're like, oh, I hadn't really thought about that. I think that's a great perspective. Or let us take a pause and and think about that. So we need to get our voice in the room. And extroverts need to recognize that though they might think they have the greatest ideas, that they really need to hear from everybody. So they should be going around the room and asking, does anybody else have any other ideas? What do y'all think? And um, so it really helps to make stronger decisions. And because a lot of our strengths are looking at both sides of the equation and oftentimes being more creative, then you get more unique problem-solving uh, solutions um, out on the table. And so, um, yes, the the team or the social group as well needs to have everybody included. I love that. I think introverts are the soccer goalie <laughs> of the world. <laughs> I was a goalkeeper, so forgive the soccer analogy, but introverts, to your point, see the macro often and they, because they're not tangled up in the social scene in their workplace, Mm -hmm. they often have that wider advantage of seeing how the system works and how it could work better. So before Mm we uh, sign off, I wanted to ask you, in a culture kind of obsessed with labels, how do we as introverts prevent ourselves from over-identifying with the label introvert, thus preventing ourselves from developing personally? I I love that topic because, I mean, sometimes you hear people that say, I don't like labels at all. And um, I guess I fall somewhere in the middle on that because I think that when I I, um, finally kind of connected with the label of introversion, it helped me, it took a while, but it did help me to do some research and learn about that label. But um, as we've talked a bit about, every introvert is not the same. We're all different. And so we can appreciate that label and learn about it, but we also need to recognize that we're all different and we have um, different perspectives that we bring to the table and we should, um, so, uh, and like when we take a Myers-Briggs test, for example, there's a lot, there's four different labels that they tend to provide and each label is just a generality, but only one of them is introversion and extroversion. There's many aspects of our personality that um, we share with introverts 
introvert and extrovert alike, we're all unique. And so we need to tap into and understand our introversion. I think that's really important, but we also need to um, enable ourselves to be unique and and, uh, genuine in our own way across our full personality. So tapping in, but also have kind of open ears and open minds. I like that. Mm -hmm. How can people buy your book and how can they take one of the quizzes that you talked about? Great. Uh, so the best way to find me, easiest way is on my website. It's beyondintroversion.com. So everything is there. Uh, we put out a, a weekly blog on a variety of topics from work-related, leadership, social, health, chemicals, uh, you know, the whole gambit of them every week. Everything on the website is free. Uh, I have three different quizzes, including the strengths quiz that we talked about and a phase quiz so you can identify which phase you're in. And more importantly, how you can accelerate through those phases. Um, so all that is free and available on my website. Uh, the book is also there, um, The Corporate Introvert. So you can find that um, uh, on the website or at Amazon. And we just released an audio book. So I'm very excited about that for people that are commuting or spending time in the gym. It's a great way to kind of check that out as well. So um, come visit us at beyondintroversion.com. Awesome. Thank you. This was fantastic. Thanks, Meredith. Thanks for listening. Did you think of someone you know while you listened? Help me grow the show by sharing this episode with that person. There's a share button right on your podcast app. If you listen on Podcast Attic, it's the little molecule looking symbol at the top right corner of your screen when you're on any one of the episodes. If you liked this episode, you'll also like the solo episode I did about how to network as an introvert and hate it less. It's episode 104. Stay tuned next week when a guest host turns the tables and interviews me.